0: We welcome you this morning to the Lord's house. We're glad that you are here. And our prayer is always that as we join to worship the Lord, we will know His presence with us and His help, that we might lift our hearts and our song to Him. The opening hymn we have is number 82, and it says, Join all the glorious names of wisdom, love, and power that mortals ever knew, that angels ever bore. And all of them are too mean. It means they are too low. They are too unable to speak His worth, to mean to set my Savior forth. Let's stand, please, as we worship the Lord this morning with all our hearts. Bow, please, now before the Lord as we come to seek His face in prayer. We might be very mindful of His help in our service this morning. We've already enjoyed our time in the Sunday school, the opening that we had. The boys and girls were presented with some special things to just mark their Scripture memory, as this is our final Bible school and Sunday school for our season as we take the summer break. And we want to commit all of our boys and girls and our youth into the hand of the Lord. And so we've come from a good day so far, but it's important for us to be settled now and just to still our hearts for our time of worship. Our eternal Father, and our loving God, we rejoice today that we have the opportunity and the privilege of being in your house on this new Lord's Day morning. Father, we have been given grace to come here again today, and we are thankful for that. We ask that at the very beginning that every distracting thing would be taken away from us and that we might settle in focus upon the purpose and the reason of our gathering here this morning, that we would know the joy and the blessing and the power of the Holy Spirit enabling us, helping us to pray, to sing, to understand Your Holy Word, and, Lord, to meet us, everyone at the very place where there is a specific need, and that we would be over filled with joy the joy of the spirit of god the joy of christ in us the joy and the knowledge that our sins have been forgiven and that we have a home in heaven oh god i pray this morning that there would be a great peace in every believing heart comfort those who are mourning the loss of loved ones some families have been hit very hard recently, Lord, and we pray that you would come near our sister Serene, the recent loss of her aunt and now an uncle. We ask, Father, to be with others who have been bereaved of life mates not that long ago, and still the pain is very real. O God, may your comfort be poured out and blessing in a very special way. Lord, we rejoice this morning for the mercies of God that come to us every day, of all of the practical and temporal things, they are more than we can even number. And yet, Father, those things are only scratching the surface of the great spiritual blessings that we have received of our Lord. And, O oh God, everything is connected with our Savior. And all that we have is dependent upon His merit, upon the value of His sacrifice, upon the worth of His person. And dear God, I pray today that all of us will stop and think, reconsider and turn it over in our hearts time and time again of the great gift that we have been given, of the value of eternal life, of the knowledge that we will never be in a lost eternity. O God, help us to rejoice today in that great truth. Pour out, we pray, Your Spirit upon every single family connected with our ministry. Dear Lord, we pray again for the salvation of unsaved family members and those that have drifted away from the mooring from the anchor of Christ and perhaps are cold in heart, maybe backslidden away. Lord, pour out Your Spirit and Your grace abundantly to meet every individual need that we have, to bless every family, and let there be no strife. Lord, unify husbands and wives. Unify parents and children. And, oh, Father, we pray the devil will not be allowed to get in, to cause disruption, to cause destruction in families. Lord, preserve us, because if we are not preserved, Lord, by Your grace, then we have no hope. But thank God today, Father, we have hope, and we are dependent, and we are resting with great confidence upon our everlasting salvation today. And I pray that anyone here in the building in our church, or listening online, maybe hearing the message at a later date, that, Father, the gospel message and power would grip their soul and they would come to trust in the Lord Jesus as their own. Father, remember, we pray, the work in Cloverdale and Brother Fitton as he begins his ministry today in an official capacity, Father, bless your servant, we pray, and his wife, Hannah. And may they know much strength and blessing, direction and power by the Spirit. And may there be growth and increase according to your will in that congregation. We're thankful for answering prayer and supplying another congregation, another pulpit with a man. We ask that this will be repeated to every place that has need. And Lord, we are focused upon the ministry that you have put under our charge. And therefore, we ask for that. But we're also very conscious of other gatherings of believers that are faithful to Christ. And they have great needs. We pray for the blessing of salvation and the increase and growth in the things of Christ. Lord, hear our prayer today. Remember and bless all of our missionaries, those who are serving in different levels of capacity and in different trying situations. Father, bless them, we pray, abundantly. So hear our prayer. And Lord, we need grace and mercy today in our nation. We need help, O oh God, in our province and in our city. And we ask, O Lord, that You would in wrath remember mercy and that You would help us to pray for the peace of our city in the time of great evil, in great wickedness, and when there is an overturning of everything that is right that is called now wrong, and everything wrong that is called right. Dear Lord, help us, we pray, Turn the ungodly from their sin. Turn sinners unto the Lord Jesus, we pray, and rescue and salvage broken and devastated and destructive lives and bring them to Christ. But Lord, if there are those that will not turn and that have been given over to a reprobate mind, we pray that they would be silenced, O God, from spouting out great evil, and that You would help us in our day to be a light and a witness of righteousness and truth in our time. Lord, hear the cry of our heart. Hear the burden of our soul. And bless us today as we continue, as we lift our voices and our praise in true thanksgiving and worship. Help us to stand into the joy and the blessing and the possessions that we have in our Lord Jesus. For we ask all these things in His name, Father, and for His glory. Amen. Let's stand, please, again and sing our psalm this morning, number 126, Uh, standing to worship the Lord. And this psalm is speaking, of course, of the time when the ungodly looks around at the church of Christ, at the people of God, and it seems things aren't just going so well sometimes. And the devil would always be the one to utter or to speak those words in our ears. Never mind the devil is a liar from the beginning, the father of lies. And we will keep our eyes looking heavenward. We will sow the seed. We will sow beside all waters. And the Lord has promised that there will be a day of ingathering, of bringing in the sheaves. And we will be thankful for that. Turning in our Bibles now to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Second <clears throat> Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to read the first nine verses here the apostle was speaking to the corinthians he tried to encourage every church in some area he would always look for things that he could encourage them about and be positive for and he was able to thank the corinthian church for the fact that they had a measure of faith they had a degree of knowledge They had some blessings from the Lord and some gifts from God. But one thing that he had to challenge them about, and it was about their their giving, their tithing. And so in this portion of the Word, he's using another church, another gathering of believers as an illustration of how they responded to the Lord and how they responded in thanksgiving and worship to the Lord and the grace that He had given to them, and they expressed that in a way of practical tithing and blessing. And so, that's the thinking, and follow through how the Apostle sets forth the argument here, 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we must inform you, is the marginal reading here, we do you to wit. Simply, we have, you have to know this. We want you to get this. We don't want you to miss it. This is so important. Moreover, brethren, we must inform you of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality, of their simplicity. In other words, they were a group of believers that saw what God had done for them and how they had received this grace of God and they were just following the Lord simply. They were following the Lord as a Christian should do. It was Christianity 101, if you like, And these people that he's talking about of Macedonia, the Lord gave them His Word. They had received the grace of God. They were saved. And they wanted to follow Him and be a witness. And so their life became a testimony of what it was to be a Christian. And so they did that with simplicity and in their liberal giving. Verse 3, "...for to their power..." I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, this they did not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Now we have to stop there for a moment. What um, a recommendation the Apostle is giving. What a word that he is using to exhort others. And what an example the churches of Macedonia had. Yes, they could have been commented, commended for so many things, but here's where it started. They were willing to give of themselves unto God. And you know, brothers and sisters, if that's not the starting place for us, then we're going to go astray. We're going to get our priorities all out of whack. They're going to be all mixed up. Uh, but we have to keep the focus here in our life every day That we are willingly giving ourselves, giving of ourselves unto the Lord. Verse 4 Praying with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God, insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, he's talking to the Corinthians now, in faith, In utterance and knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. The apostle was communicating with all his heart to the Corinthian people. It says in verse 7. I don't make a commandment to you. I don't bring this by command. Some people have been confused about that. Does that mean that Paul was not being inspired when he was writing this? Was he saying it just something off the cuff or his own thought? No. But he was saying by the Spirit of God that our giving, our tithing, is not something we do as a taxation. It's not by commandment that we do this, but it's by the willingness of our hearts It's by the response of what God has given to us. Therefore, we give back to Him in His work. And that's what He is, the implication of what He is saying here. And the whole argument is summed up with this point and on this solid foundation. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what He came to do for you. Do you know how rich He is? Do you know that He gave of all His wealth, His riches, and He became poor for us? So that you and I, through His poverty, might become as rich and as wealthy and inheriting all that God has given to Him, He has given to us. So, therefore, brothers and sisters in the Lord, Let us be sure that we always keep our priorities straight, and it includes definitely the aspect of our giving to the Lord, our tithing, because there will be challenges to our faith on this matter. But let us not give in to the temptation of holding back anything from the Lord in that regard. But let us always say we want to be joyful and appreciative in thanksgiving. In how we give unto the Lord, because in so doing we give to others and we reflect the beauty and the love of the Lord to our hearts. May the God bless His word to us and it will definitely tie in to the message I want to share with you today. We welcome you all to our morning service today. It's great to see you and we're happy that. Some who have been away for some time have been able to come back again. It's good to see uh, everyone here this morning in the Savior's precious name. And we say a word of sincere welcome to daughter Esther, who's visiting from North Carolina. And our home is a, a little bit happier place these days because there are some grandchildren running around as well. And there's lots of noise And there's lots of wrestling on the floor. And there's all kinds of stuff going on. And uh, those make for a very happy time for us. And so we're very happy that our daughter Esther is with us for holidays for a couple of weeks. And our grandchildren as well. Unfortunately, her husband Steve could not come at this time. As he started a new job not too long ago. And it's just not possible for him to get away just at this time. And uh, we miss Demo as well he was supposed to be coming up. That's the dog, by the way, in case you didn't know. And Demo usually enjoys coming up for his holidays to Canada as well. But uh, the poor fella had to be left behind this time. And so, well, we miss him too. We are, again, mindful of those who have been bereaved in our congregation and our sister Serene. Good to see you here again today, dear. And a couple of weeks ago, we were mentioning about her aunt who passed, and then uh, an uncle from a different uh, side, not the husband of the aunt that passed, but an uncle who had become quite ill, and uh, he has also passed away. So we remember Serene and your family at this time of loss. Remember, please, I would ask you to pray for Azrael today. Uh, Azrael has been sick all night and the family is not they've been up with him all evening all night and so they're not able to be at church this morning so remember the delina family today as well please in your prayers let's remember also mrs hamilton she is growing increasingly weaker as the days go by and we've been holding up our sister before the lord and also praying for reverend bodner as they are uh, in this time of great weakness. Let me thank you very much for your prayers for me over this past, well, yesterday, Friday, and yesterday in travel, as I had the great privilege of being in our church in Cloverdale, British Columbia, for the ordination service on Friday night of Reverend Andrew Fitton. It was really a blessed time, and I want to thank you for your prayers. Uh, The Lord allowed everything to go as smooth as it could have gone in travel, and that's not always the case, but I'm very thankful for that. And so your prayers have been answered. And it was a very encouraging meeting on Friday night. We had the ordination installation of our brother, and uh, he was here with us recently at our May presbytery time, and he was able to share with you something of the call of God and his own life, and that was a good to hear that. And the photo you have before you on the screen, from left to right, the man on the left a little bit hunched over. Well, that's one of the deacons. His name is Vern Hansen. And Vern has not been well this last while, and uh, i very thankful that he was able to be there at the service But do remember, Vern, in your prayers. And Dr. Stephen Pollock, who is the clerk of our presbytery, and he was there, I'm thankful he was able to join for the meeting. Remember him in Malvern, Pennsylvania, is his congregation. And the next man, of course, is Reverend Andrew Fitton. You'll know the guy in the center. And Andy Foster, very happy that he was there, the minister from Penticton. He and his wife, Jill, were in the service. And uh, Reverend Reggie Kimbrough Kimbrough and his wife, Jan, they were just finishing their 40th anniversary of marriage and they were on a cruise up the Alaska cruise and, well, they had intended and planned to come for the ordination service and all the dates worked together just right. And so very happy he was there and he brought the word and he's traveling to Calgary today. Uh, Well, he traveled for the services today. And then the two elders are on the far right-hand side of the Cloverdale Church, Mr. Alan Samuel and Mr. Andy Rozma. And they've been serving as elders in the congregation for many years now. And during the whole time of the vacancy, as Reverend Golliher retired, well, they've been very strong. And one deacon who is not there, Mr. Charlie Escobar, Very disappointed he couldn't make the service, but their family had planned a trip back to the Philippines, to their homeland, and they're there for about a month, but I think he was watching online the next morning in the Philippines where they were. So please remember that congregation and all of these people, and keep them much in your prayers. It has been a busy week for our school as well, because on Thursday night, there was the grade 8 graduation, on Friday night, the grade 12s. And so now the school is really just coming down to the final couple of days. And then there's all the administrative and marking and reports that have to be done. So please continue to pray for the the teachers that have to get all the final paperwork in. And the administration with all the duties, not just of the closing of this school year, but the planning and the preparation that's already been in place for our next year starting. But a good break is needed for the summertime, do remember and pray for all of those things. Our service is today at 5:50. We will have our pre-service prayer time, our evening service, 6:30, and there will be a fellowship time after the evening service tonight as well. And then Wednesday evening, our Bible study and prayer time, and our service is next Lord's Day. There will be no Sunday school. During the summertime, we take a break. There will be a couple of special messages for the boys and girls, special times through the summer, and we'll keep you informed upon that. Good to see our sister Chloe back in the service today. Chloe has not been with us for a little while, and we're happy that she is back with us today in our service. Don't forget also, please, next Saturday is July the 1st, Canada Day, and we will be having a family church family barbecue then, and the, the list at the back, put your name down, how many people are coming with your family, so we know what kind of preparations to bring. And if you'd like to invite someone else to come along, a friend of yours maybe, some family member who doesn't normally come to the church, you do that, and we'll introduce them. There will be fireworks also at, when it gets a bit closer to dark at time. By the way, it'll be 6 o'clock, so it's an evening barbecue, not an afternoon one next Saturday. It'll be starting around 6 p.m. Let us sing again to the Lord's praise, and this hymn is not in our hymnal, but it's one that Reverend John Bodner wrote in 2005, and he wrote and dedicated it to me, and I'm very thankful for what our brother did uh, that time, and it will encourage us as we sing this today to remember our brother in our prayers. It's a well-known tune. The church's one foundation is the tune... And the words, I believe you will be able to pick it up very well. Let's stand, please, as we sing. Turn with me now, please, in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 3. Ephesians, chapter 3, the first eight verses. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery as I wrote afore in few words, whereby, when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto His holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of His promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of His power unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Let's bow, please, in prayer. Father, we ask now as the Word is open that our hearts will be open to it. We pray, Lord, that we'll be very mindful of the Spirit's direction, and guidance, and help today. And so, Lord, fill us with anticipation and with the application by the Spirit of the Word to our souls today. Father, we step out upon a vast subject, and I pray that some aspects of its fullness and of the truth would rest in our hearts this morning. We hear our prayers. Bless us in Jesus' holy name. Amen. want to think with you today on one phrase from verse 8 of Ephesians 3. And it is this phrase, the unsearchable riches of Christ. And what that means to you. And what those words mean for every single human being. It's hard for us sometimes, you know, to measure the value of something. It's not easy because we all make different estimations of things we have and the worth of them. To an antique collector, an old broken table in the back of the garage, well, it's of not much value except that he would see the history of it and the character of that piece and to the right price when it's restored, it'd be worth a good amount. A worn, stained jacket that would not even be taken by some of the resale stores, but it has sentimental value because of the cherished memories that are brought by the beloved father or a brother or a son that used to wear it. A rare first edition of the Gutenberg Bible would be the boast of the private collector and even the museum curator if they had one of those in their possession because how do you put a price on such a thing? It is priceless. And, of course, the portfolio full of blue-chip stocks and bonds, and an RRSP that's been maximized every year to the full, well, that means for the person who owns such a portfolio, there would be a retirement that would be good, a retirement that would be of leisure for travel, and to spend money without worry. Well, at least that's the idea. What about the net worth? of the movers and shakers in this world. It is an index of the success and the value of their life. And along with their financial wealth would come, well, a measure of fame, I suppose, because of their exalted position whether they are in the financial world or in the entertainment industry or the sporting world, whatever that might be, an element of fame that comes to their position, it seems to be above the ordinary human being. What about the child? The child that has a a comfort blanket. They've had it for years, and they call it by different names. It's worthless to others. But it's irreplaceable value to that child because they receive such comfort, such peace from its comfort, its texture, its smell. But in all of these illustrations, and we could cite many more, and you could as well, when we think about them all, we're exhausted because there is no way of us speaking about something so incomprehensible and beyond the reach of our description, we all gaze in wonder of the One who was rich. And yet for our sakes He became poor that we through His poverty might be made rich. And it's this subject I want to scratch the surface of this morning of the unsearchable riches of Christ because, quite frankly, it is the greatest subject that can ever be touched upon by anyone. I want to speak about our Lord today. And if you are not born again of the Spirit of God, if you do not know Him, then I want to challenge you to seek Him with all your heart If you are born again by the Spirit of God, then I pray that you would think deeply upon the value of Christ to your own soul. The Apostle Paul, he spoke of how God had directed him to present the gospel to the Gentiles, to the nations. It was his calling. It was very much personal to him. It was a privileged testimony that he had and a call. And it was to communicate, to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ, the gospel message, to a world that was in sin. And how would we describe the message that the apostle had to proclaim? It was a salvation that was so real because it changed the man, the woman, from the inside out. It was so real that you could feel it. It was something that was tangible. It was a forgiveness from sin that was so deep and vast that you could not plumb the depths. It was a love that was so wide. And it was a reward that was so great. And he stood in wonder He stood with amazement that God should call a sinner like him to proclaim a message that was so great. And this, of course, is the heart of every faithful man of God preaching the Word of truth because who is able for such a topic? Who is able for such a subject? And I have a special connection with this verse as I know other men who have been called into the ministry do because the Lord used this to finally stamp and seal the gospel call into my own life and heart. Paul was blessed to have this ministry, to have this work because he realized himself so unworthy that such a calling And yet, with all his being, he purposed to fulfill what God had given to him to do. And that's why I have asked you to pray for me that the Lord would enable and strengthen and help me to take such a vast subject as we have before us and be able to communicate this with some sense of clarity and with the authority of heaven upon me to speak the word. So the apostle, he was given this great challenge. The Lord allowed him to see Christ raised from the dead. He described himself as one born out of due season because he was not part of the original apostolic band, but as he saw the risen Christ, Jesus appeared to him And it was a very unique experience that he had, and therefore he was called to be that apostle. And yet still, Paul knew his own heart. He knew the depravity of his soul, and therefore to be granted such a benefit of preaching such a message, he could say, I have learned how to be abased. He said, Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss. All things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For he said, For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them, I evaluate them as nothing, as nothing, dung, as worthless. I count nothing that I have, nothing I have done, but all oh, that I might speak well of my Lord, that I might be able to, in some small way, communicate the unsearchable riches of my Lord Jesus. Please notice the first thought is this. The person of the Lord Jesus himself. Who is able for this topic? The problem with this subject is not a lack of material or of substance, but it is the sense of a complete inadequacy to effectively and sufficiently express the wonder and the magnitude of such an inexhaustible topic The person of Christ. The riches of our Redeemer. The word unsearchable in our text. It is actually made up of two words. The original word and then the negative is placed beside it. And the original word, it means to step out. Or to pace out something by distance. So if you're going to measure the building in the olden days, before they had measuring tapes and so on, people would often just pace it out by walking, either by your individual feet or by the yard measurement, and you would calculate that way. So if you're measuring a large distance, like your acreage, a property, you would pace it out. And so the idea of this word is, it's to pace out something, to measure it, but then the negative is placed with that word, so it is unable or unpaceable. It's unsteppable. You can't measure it. we think about this subject, are we not standing at the vestibule of eternity, not knowing the distance and unable to comprehend the substance of it? We've already thought for a little bit about how the world would estimate riches and success with all the temporal possessions that they would have or power to purchase something, the ability to influence others. And yet, is true value not enduring value? Because everything in this world is temporal, it will all go. Everything we have and own, everything we invest in in a physical nature, it's all going. It will all be burned up one day, very soon, maybe. And so we are careful. The Lord says, Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust don't corrupt and thieves don't break through and steal, don't lay up your treasures on earth. And we always counter that, don't we, by, yes, we have practical things. You have a savings account. You might have an RSP. Those things aren't bad because they're important for us to be wise, to be careful. Ah, oh, but my friend, I say to you today, think of those things and that thing which is of the greatest value. Back in the book of Esther, in chapter 1 and verse 4, it speaks about Ahasuerus, the king. And they were told that when he showed the riches of his glorious kingdom and the honor of his excellent majesty many days, the king thought he would throw a party. And the party was not kind of an ordinary party. It certainly wasn't a Canada Day party. We're only going to be meeting for a few hours. This party was 180 days, a half a year, six months, this party was. And why would the king throw such a lengthy party? Because he had a lot of wealth. And he rejoiced and was happy, boastful in that wealth. And so he was going to show the riches of his glorious kingdom... And the honor of His Excellent Majesty. But I ask you a question Where is Ahasuerus today? Where are his riches? Where is his kingdom? Where is his soul today? The real worth of something is not found in its appearance or in its tangibility, in, the, in, the, in our ability to hold on to it, but it is in its enduring properties. That, friend, is where the real value of something is. One writer put it this way, The Lord Jesus Christ in His person and work, His attributes and offices, His suffering and glory, His cross and crown, what He is in Himself and what He is to us is the one all-absorbing and exhaustless topic of divine revelation and apostolic discourse. Yes, it is all about our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, we want to be sure that we see ourselves and our lives and our service in light of that and in light of Him. Because we are told that in Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He is the bright and the morning star. He is the Father's well-beloved and in whom He is well pleased. And we started our service today by singing that hymn, Join all the glorious names of wisdom, love, and power that mortals ever knew, that angels ever bore, and all of them are too lame, to mean, to speak His worth, to mean, to show, my Savior, forth. Yes, friend, the person of Christ Himself. How do we, in the second place, measure the riches of Christ? Well, we try by thinking about His glory. In John 17, in verse 5, it says, And now Jesus wrote, And spoke, O now Father, glorify Thou me with Thine own self, with the glory which I had with Thee before the world was. And so you ask the question, what was that glory? That, friend, was the glory of the triune person of the Son of God. That was the glory of the One who fills heaven and earth. That was the glory of the One who created everything out of nothing. It is a glory of the One that we come to bow down to worship with what we have to be able to give. This is the One who was born and who walked as a man upon earth and who prayed in that garden to His Father Father, the glory that I had with You before the world was, grant that glory to be reinstated to me again. For He who was rich in all the glory that He had became poor and came to an earth full of sinful, rebellious, rejecting human beings like all of us. And the Lord came and made Himself less than a poor man. He said, I am a worm and no man. And therefore, friends, we begin to see something of the great step the Lord took down to become poor for us. How rich, how wealthy, how inestimable was this. His glory is so great. When Saul of Tarsus was going to Damascus to arrest, persecute, kill Christians, the Lord Jesus met him. And it was at the middle of the day when the eastern sun was bright and hot with no cloud to disturb it. And yet when Christ appeared to Saul, he said, that glory that appeared to me was brighter than the sun shining. And we don't have any estimation of something that could be brighter than the sun because you cannot look at the sun in its, the height of its time. And our Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, in all His glory, He shines with perfection for He is without any sin. He is glorious in His holiness There is none like unto Him. He does always those things that please His Father. There is absolute unity in the Trinity. He is glorious in majesty because He does not submit to any other. But all submit unto Him and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that He is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so the psalmist, Psalm 24, says, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. And Christ rising from the dead, ascending from earth, and returning to His glory, is now in front of us here in that psalm. His glory is so great and so vast. And His merit, when we speak of the merit of Christ, it is, it is more than the value of His character, It is the sum total of all that He did to make atonement for our sins and to apply His perfect obedience, His perfect righteousness to our account. The merit of Christ being applied to us, my friend. This is the description of His unsearchable riches, and you are the possessor of this, and so am I. And so today, what can we say? The obedience of Christ, He perfectly obeyed. That is my obedience. His merit has been given to me. The sacrifice and His suffering as my Savior and Redeemer, that has been given to me. It's His merit. And the application of all His worth and value, His merit. It belongs to me, and I belong to him. No wonder we can say, this is my beloved, and this is my friend. Oh, friend, I ask you today, is he your beloved and Savior and friend? Does he belong to you? Do you belong to him? You're watching online today. Do you know Christ as your own? Do you belong to Him? Have you repented of your sins and called upon Him? How do, we, how do we estimate the value of our Lord? We think of His glory. We think of His merit. But we also think of the grace of our Lord Jesus for in giving that which we did not deserve He gave everything to us for our forgiveness, for our salvation, for our home in heaven. He gave everything to pardon us, friend. He brought many sons to glory, Peter tells us in chapter 1 and verse 5 many sons and daughters. And we who deserved nothing but a lost eternity. Christ has pardoned us from our sins, not by anything that we could have done to merit such a thing, but it's by His free grace. We are justified. Titus 2 and verse 14, we are told, Who? Jesus gave Himself for us, that He might redeem us from all iniquity. He would come to give Himself to justify and to make us righteous in the eyes of a holy God. And He gave Himself to purify so that we would have no stain and no spot of sin against us again forever. We are free. And today, as we see ourselves not any longer under the condemnation and judgment of God, but we have been released from that. We are free from that. God declares us today. We are righteous and holy and pure. We are glorified already. Believer, walk in the light of that truth every single day. Do not allow the devil to bring back your past, your guilt, your sins, don't let them bring them back to you and accuse you because they have been forgiven. They are gone. Let us therefore live in the light and joy and peace and fullness of a salvation that cannot be replicated. It cannot be improved upon. And it cannot ever be undone. We are free today. And we are alive in the Lord Jesus and you know what this does for us? It empowers us for service. Because when I know my standing in the Lord, when I know the free grace of God has been given to me, when I know the merit of Jesus is now upon me, I am empowered to serve the Lord. Not in fear. Not with a slavish fear. Not because of obligation in that sense. Not because I'm going to be taxed to give myself. No. None of those things but I want to serve my Lord because I love Him, because He has freed me. He has empowered me to serve Him. Christian, don't serve the Lord under labor. Don't serve the Lord under duress. Don't serve the Lord under a sense of pure duty. That's only bondage. Let us serve the Lord with joy in our hearts. Ah, yes, friend. How do we measure the Lord's wealth? We will measure it by looking at His love for sinners. During the French Revolution, a young man was condemned to the guillotine. He was loved by many, but He was loved by one more than all the others. When His name was called to step up, His Father had given Him His own name when He was born. And so His Father bore exactly the same name. And when the name was called, the father rushed forward and went to the guillotine and was executed in the place of his son. And my dear friends, that is an illustration of love. The father loved his son more than all the others who loved him that were sorry for the fact that this boy was condemned to die for whatever reason during that time troublesome time and so the Lord Jesus loved for us when my name was called to go to bear the judgment and weight of my own sin another stepped in my place another took my name and said I will go for him and Christ stepped into my place because his love for me was so vast so great So untrammeled. And he who lives for us today at the right hand of God is our mediator. For he is alive today and lives for us and intercedes for us at the right hand of his Father. He is our shepherd, he leads us, he is our great physician, he heals our wounds. He is the great captain of our salvation. We will follow Him. He is our King. We will bow before Him. He is our Master. And we will serve Him. And He is our friend. And we have Him as our companion. Ah, friend, today, how great are the riches of our Lord that we have He is the Lamb of God and the bread of life. He is the fountain of living waters, the light of the world, the door of salvation, the way, the truth, and the life. He is our all and our all in all. One commentator wrote this. He said, All this is a treasury of wisdom. A bank of merit, a storehouse of rewards from which the soul may continue to draw throughout eternity without exhausting or ever diminishing the supply, for in Christ there is infinite fullness in Him. Yes, friends, we are never, ever going to exhaust our Lord's worth and value, and we're never going to be able to diminish by what we have received from him for his grace is abundant and as what paul said i can do all things through christ who strengthens me for i have all in him and his riches are immeasurable one final thought and i'm brief with this the extent of the riches of christ it says they're unsearchable We've already spoken about the impossibility of sufficiently handling such a subject. But to think about this, because the man who starts out to measure, for example, James Bay, and if you start on the one corner of the bay and walk around it, it's a large body of water, but it's only a little elbow of Hudson's Bay, if you know anything about your Canadian geography. So if you start at the point of James Bay and you paced it all around, you thought, well, this is a big body of water. And when you get to the other side of it, you only realize, I haven't even begun yet. Because this is only an arm of the great body of Hudson's Bay. And if I start to pace that around, it's, I, it, it's immense. And so when we think about this in our Lord and His unsearchable riches, they, are, they cannot be discovered. They are too vast and too great. For Christ's riches defy the the most intellectual or persevering mind to discover. They are unknown to any human speculation. Oh, friend, today, we will never, even in glory, we will never be able to fully comprehend that which cannot be discovered it cannot be fully known and we come to an end of ourselves and every preacher because we cannot describe it we try to use words we try to put adjectives together and we try to use illustrations but friend when you're from a human point of view trying to describe something that is boundless as eternity and infinity how can we do it we cannot These are the riches. This is the wealth. This is what is of our Savior spoken as being the unsteppable measure, the unsearchable riches of Christ. J.C. Ryle said, "...there are no riches like those which are laid up for us in Christ." For His people, they are a mine which, however long it may be worked, is never exhausted. They are a fountain which, however many draw its waters, will never run dry. And therefore, we say, let us all come to the Savior and make no delay. Christian, come. Do not hesitate. Do not set other things in the place of the Lord. But let us come to draw from the deepest, most valuable well that we have. For there is enough to fill our hearts to overflowing. Ah, and if you're outside of the Lord today, don't delay. Come to Him because you will find that He is more than willing to receive you than you are to even come to Him. And there is a salvation that is abundant and free and full. And I pray that you would find the joy and peace in Him this morning. We're going to close our service by singing hymn number 48. The Countless Multitude on High. We have a a familiar tune for this as well. Let's stand please as we sing this hymn. Father, as we have been singing this closing hymn and dwelling on the great truth of this text of Scripture today, Lord, we are overwhelmed and we stand humbly before You today. And we pray that some dimension, some ability to understand, more grace would be given to us, Lord, to comprehend the value, the worth of our Lord Jesus, and our eyes would be fastened upon Him, and that we would rejoice with joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. So, Father, hear our prayer this morning. Save any soul outside of Christ, refresh And draw back to Yourself, Lord, anyone who may be a little bit distant, perhaps backslidden. Ah, Father, renew and restore our joy in Him. And bless us and keep us in the Spirit on the Lord's day. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.